Hello and welcome to the Key Moment podcast. I'm your host, Leisha Holmes, and this is a podcast by a recruiter with guests from across the business world. So whether you're a fellow recruiter, an entrepreneur seeking inspiration, or a business enthusiast just listening in, you have come to the right place. Each episode, I'll be interviewing people who are experts in their fields on a variety of hot topics. So thank you for listening to The Key Moment. Thank you for joining me on The Key Moment podcast. I am delighted to welcome my next guest, Anthony Tazgal, or otherwise known as Taz, who is a trainer, a speaker, strategist and lecturer, and the author of the storytelling book and Inspiratorium. Have I said that correctly, Taz? That's 90% fine. I can't complain. Okay. Well, first of all, for our listeners, would you like to tell them about yourself and who you are and what you do? Yeah. Hi, everyone. Hi, Alicia. Um, I started off working in advertising um, as what's called an agency planner. So working on strategy with brands, with clients, doing communication and bridging that gap between what clients want and what creatives try and give them. Uh, And I did that for quite a while and uh, discovered that the answer to every single question wasn't a 40-second TV commercial. So uh, hit an age, went freelance, and then started doing training, started doing lecturing at a couple of universities, uh, writing books, helping to run a cinema in the UK, uh, being there for some children, and all that stuff together. And I found it quite an interesting way of just making all these different areas and spheres and disciplines overlap in a slightly more you know interesting way than perhaps would have done otherwise so that's me in like a minute I'm very impressed with your elevator pitch one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about today was the common factor between advertising and recruitment and I think that in particular your storytelling book really for me resonated well because I think having done recruitment myself for 20 years what has set me apart is the ability to recount a story to a client about a candidate's career journey. So, I mean, first and foremost, would you like to just tell us a little bit about the storytelling book and, and how you came to write it and what it can teach people in recruitment particularly? Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, before I went into advertising, I, uh, I studied Latin, Greek, ancient history. Uh, so it was an obvious move uh, to move from that into advertising. Of course. Um, <laughs> but one of the things that sort of, sort of was a thread was that I studied a lot of ancient authors. I studied Homer and Virgil, and, and that's not the Simpsons and Thunderbirds, uh, by no. the way, uh, the original ones. Um, and I was really interested in stories. And when I went into advertising and business, I thought, why, why have people in business lost the ability to tell stories? Mm-hmm. Because everyone was like being very rational, using PowerPoint and slides. Uh, if they had meetings or interviews, everything was very clinical and very cold. And I, I, I couldn't really... I couldn't really sort of reconcile those two different worlds. So one of the reasons I got interested in storytelling and writing the book and training on it was I just thought, why can't we, what I say, restory business? So like restore some of the, the power of storytelling, some of the emotion of storytelling, some of the differentiation, saliency, as we'd say in advertising, um, about stories. Because stories, as you say, stories resonate. They're striking, they're memorable, they're emotional. And as human beings, that's how we learn about the world. As children, we learn about the world through stories. We teach our children about the world through stories. So I've been on this sort of, I don't want to call it a mission, journey's a good metaphor, of of trying to bring some of that myth and story back into all the ways that we communicate, whether it's as children, as students, whether we're doing interviews, whether we're doing presentations. Um, for me, as you say, that there are a lot of a lot of common threads that run across all of those different areas, and that's really, I suppose, what I'm trying to sort of bring back. What makes a good storyteller, Taz? 
I think a good storyteller, you, you can actually learn it. And I think most of us are born pretty good storytellers. But obviously, when I work with clients or students, there are certain principles that I try and talk about. So one, and it's the subtitle of the book, is um, have a golden thread. And that's why the book uh, is gold. Um, it has a needle and thread on the front. And even the bookmark is, is gold. So it's all designed, you know, synergistically. Um, a golden thread is like having a, a structure or a skeleton that runs through what you're saying. It runs through your story. And it goes back to the, the classical story of Thesis and the Minotaur. And if there's time, I'll tell you about it later. But the idea is you have a ball of thread that runs through your story. So it's not necessarily visible, but it's there in the background. And it's a link, a strong sort of thread between the beginning and the end. Because our brain, I talk an awful lot in the book about brain because I'm just become a bit obsessed with neuroscience. Um, our brain filters out 99% of everything it takes in. Mm. So it's not just your children, Alicia. Yep. Uh, we, all, we, all, we all do that. And I have an expression which I use. So I say that when we're talking to each other or when we're presenting or writing, um, we like to think that everything we say goes into, if you like, people's attention inbox in their brain, mm -hmm. if it's their email. But I reckon that 99% of it goes into what I call attention spam with an M. That's a really good visual, actually. Yeah. yeah. It was originally a typo, but I've now fallen in love with it. Yeah, it's great. Um, and I, I say to people, that's one of the things that story is. Story is making sure that what you're saying doesn't go into attention span. So it's got to be meaningful. It's got to be emotional. It's got to be memorable. And one of the ways you'll do that is, is try and work out a thread. Try and work out exactly what your narrative is. And then be absolutely ruthless. And this works whether you're doing a presentation deck whether you're doing a pitch, whether you're writing a document, or whether you're having an interview. Try and be ruthless. Try not to go off on all sorts of tangents. Mm. So once you do that, as we all know, um, your brain thinks about what you're having for dinner or, you know, who Ola Gunnar Solskjaer is going to play on Saturday. Um, so it, it really is important that you try and create that thread. And, okay, you get asked questions and you go, but try and keep to that thread so that the brain is, is engaged and involved all the way through. And would you do that mindfully? So would you, for example, if I apply this directly to recruitment, when I pick up a the phone to a client to talk about a candidate to potentially work for them, am I mindfully sitting thinking, right, what is my golden thread? What, what yeah, am I doing? I mean, what I actually, when I work with people, I say, write it down. I actually say, if it's a longer presentation, it's probably slightly different if you're doing a phone call or an interview. But I would still say storyboard it. Okay. I come from an industry where, where creative people, film directors, storyboard their films, storyboard their commercials. So I say is get some post-its, maybe eight is enough, six, whatever. And then on each one, write your thread. So no facts, no, but just the argument. How are you going to start? How does it sort of wend its way? And what's the big ending? And then if you have that either written down or you can even sort of memorize it, that will keep your brain on track and that will keep your story and your argument on track. And you won't go off on complete tangents because probably the biggest problem I find, and it goes across everything. I've just, as you know, I, have, I own several children who are having interviews, um, whether it's whether it's my kids or whether it's students or whatever. The biggest problem that people have is someone once said about history, uh, that history is just one damn fact after another. And often I think that's how we talk. We just it's like one fact. And, one, and then after a while, the brain just goes, stop telling me, stop, yeah, stop giving me facts, stop. Mm -hmm. Whereas a story ties it all together, you know, you have a beginning, a middle and end, you have a thread, you have characters, you have, and the brain is much more receptive to something like that. So I, I would say, yes, plan it out, plan out what your thread is. You know, it can be, as I say, three or four post-its, move them around, see what you think the best start is, just make the argument plain. And if you want to put in some facts that support that, 
about, okay, this is what I studied or whatever, but try and make that fit into the thread so it doesn't feel like it's just coming out of some sort of random, you know, space. You made a point earlier on in that answer that um, about making it memorable. Do you think you need a good memory to be a good storyteller then? Um, I think it helps. Uh, I think it helps. I'll give you one trick, right? This is one free trick, ladies and gentlemen, um, which is incredibly simple. Um, some of you may have heard of Darren Brown, a uh, psychological illusionist. Um, next time I'll tell you my Darren Brown story. Um, and he's able, for various reasons, to memorise an entire deck of cards. And there are tricks that you can do. And it goes back again to the Romans and the Greeks. It's called a memory palace. And basically what you do is you, you imagine a house all sorts of rooms, and in each of those rooms, there are items. And for each of those items, you remember a, a card or whatever it might be. So there are, there are tricks in which you can remember huge amounts of things. But the trick I'll give you is, it, again, in the book, it's called the magic number three. Now, we don't really know why, but there seems to be something magic about the number three. And that the brain can remember ABC, Vaini DVDVK, Libertate, Three Wise Men, Three Blind Mice. What I would say is, however much you need to remember, try it into three, okay. call them BC, whatever they are, and then remember one word or one image, one idea, each of those three sections. And it's amazing how much your brain can reconstruct just from three. Beyond three, it doesn't. It gets harder to remember. If you can remember three things, or in a presentation, just get your audience to remember three things, that's all you need to do. And it's amazing how much the memory can re reconstruct just by remembering three lines or three words or three images. So for our recruitment listeners in particular, if they're going out for interviews or they're prepping their candidates, what advice would you give them about that sort of three-point lesson? Well, one of the most um, useful tips I can give anyone, particularly if they're a candidate in an interview, but it works across so many other areas, is uh, the magic number three, the rule of three. Uh, and it's an absolute storytelling trope, right? And no one really knows why three is such a memorable thing. Um, but if you think about how many threes there are, um, beginning, middle and end, liberté, egality, fraternity, veni, veni, vidi, vici, three wise men, three blind mice. There are threes all over. And it seems to play into something deep in our brains. So what I recommend as a tip in an interview is write or remember three things. Ideally thread them together so you can remember what they are. But remember those three things. And if you can to get them out in an interview you've probably done quite well to get those three mm -hmm. things remembered because I'll say to people as well it's really easy to reconstruct a huge amount of information just by dividing something into three mm -hmm. so if you have a lot of material or you've got a long CV um, or you've got a long interview try and think of three words or three parts give each of those parts uh, a word or an image or something you can remember very simply and then if you can remember those three things in your brain, it's amazing how much you can reconstruct off the back of those three things. Mm. And I think that's a really, really useful tip, as I say, across lots and lots of different areas. Yeah, true. I mean, I mean we're, we're both avidly listening here, myself and uh, our podca podcast technical guru, Gaz, because it's actually, we can already sort of think about how we can apply this in all areas of our life. Um, and I find it absolutely fascinating that something as simple as that can be so effective to so many people listening, whether they're in recruitment or advertising or property or law, it, I don't think it really matters. It's how our brain works best. And sometimes we can over overshare a story and, like you say, go off on all these horrible tangents and not really make it relevant or applicable. Oversharing, it's just an interesting point about that. There's a real human tendency that we all do mm. to overshare. You're soaking, so you've got an interview, you've got 20 minutes, half an hour, 10 minutes, whatever. Sometimes we're so keen and so excited and enthusiastic and desperate 
to get everything in 10 minutes, we do the worst possible thing, which is just to cram stuff in so that the, the interviewer, the person we're talking to, remembers nothing. So again, another piece of advice to everyone who's having an interview, try and hold stuff back. Try and keep to your, if it's three things, you don't have to worry about five or seven or ten, but try and hold back. Again, in advertising, we always call it the, the rule of white space. It's really important in any advertising, or any sort of PowerPoint slide, don't fill your slide with everything. You need the white space so that what's there can stand out, and what isn't there doesn't matter. So, again, be, be very careful. It's a really good point, Lucia. Don't try not to overshare because, again, sometimes it gets in the way. It's too much, like you say, and, and it's, it's quite a common piece of feedback, actually, if I think back over the last 20 years that the interviewer will say it's almost like they weren't listening to the question. They were so keen to share what they wanted to say. And I think that's just human trait. You, you want to tell your part of the story so you don't listen to what the other party's saying or asking of you. So I think that's really that's really going to resonate with our listeners, I would have thought. Um, you've obviously, like you say, trained and um, met and come across you know, thousands of people across your illustrious career. Do you think that is, there is potentially now a generational shift, given that millennials particularly communicate in forms of Snapchat and different ways where it's more hit and miss and you know, these conversations disappear quickly as opposed to maybe the older generation? With my advertising and marketing hat on, can I tell you how much I hate the word millennials? Oh, no, I'm sure. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's not you. It's you and 99% of the population. It's like um, one of my clients, um, two of my clients actually, Spec Savers and Fred Olson, um, generally have an older demographic. And they will say, oh, you know, the over 50s or the over 65s. And I'll say, can you stop saying that? Because you can't put everyone in the same bucket. Some people are over 50 are, you know, overweight don't do any exercise don't do anything and sit at home and some people are in their 70s are out you know running scuba diving and reading books agreed and the same i think a bit with millennials yes they use media in in different ways but so do older people so i don't think it's it's just a millennial thing but but the bigger question is you're absolutely right the way that that people are using new media um you know instagram snapchat twitter linkedin um for me again as a person who's interested in storytelling for me, all these are are modern ways of doing things that our species has been doing for thousands of years. Mm. Originally, it would be sitting around a campfire, mm. telling stories, talking about who's doing what with who, seeing which way the buffalo are coming, what's the weather going <laughs> to be like, what's that tribe down there, are they friend or foe? So a lot of, in lots of ways, I'll say to people, let's not worry so much about the channel because human beings have made lots of different ways of communication over centuries and thousands of years. That storytelling hasn't changed. It's just the way it's delivered that has changed. Having said that, clearly, you know, these media work in different ways. And I think it's important that you understand that. And I think what I like about Twitter, I mean, I'm not a huge fan, but I do a fair amount of it myself to just usually do one-line gags, um, is I find it's a really interesting way of communicating that forces you, again, to edit. When it was originally 140, it's now 280 characters. You know, you f- it forces you to think about what you're saying in a really compressed form, like a headline, which I think is a really good skill to have. Um, again, visuals. Again, sometimes it's, it's really important and really easy to do stuff that is simple and easy and visual, which, again, can make a story come to life in a way that, you know, three, four, five hundred words can't. So I think for me, it's really about understanding what story can do. And then just looking at each channel, whether it's, whether it's social. Relevant. They say they say for Instagram, you know, a picture tells a thousand stories, doesn't it? So 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's and again, one of my clients, um, as you know, as you know, I, I do a fair amount of work recently in Australia, mm. which is which is nice. And um, I'm working for, for Destination New South Wales. Um, so last time I was over, they they showed me their one of their sort of social media channels. And the only thing I'd say is, if you are New South Wales, you have the most extraordinary pictures you can show. Mm. You know, you've got the Opera House, the Sydney, um, the Harbour Bridge, all sorts of fantastic things. But my point to him is saying, don't just show a picture. Try and make the picture a story. Try and make something happening in that picture. Try and put someone in it. Then it becomes a bit more human. Then it becomes a bit more memorable. So one of the things I'm interested in, in using um, things like um, Instagram is, is just to not to show a picture, but to make that picture a bit more meaningful okay. by having a story around it or a person around it or linking it to something that happened there. So it's contextualising what that picture actually means in your story. Absolutely. Oh, that's Absolutely. Really, I mean, that, that again, so many people will be thinking about what they actually share now across their social media channels and are they telling a relevant and aspirational story, which at the end of the day is what we all want to do on social media. It's about yeah. aspiring to be like that person. You have been a really fantastic guest, house. I have to say we have one golden question that we ask everybody, which is what is your golden mantra for success? Um, I think success, it sort of comes, I suppose, back to the second book, actually, about, about the Inspiratorium, is always try and look for something different. Because insight and inspiration comes from when you put something that perhaps you know next to something that you don't know. So for me, success, I don't, I'm not a big one for necessarily saying success is, is obvious and linear and you just get it if you do X. But what I found in my life, and I recommend it to everyone, um, you know, I write a lecture, I help run a, a cinema. Often if you have different interests, it's amazing how your brain makes links between these different interests and you'll come up with something new and literally as an insight, you'll see something new. And for me, every time I see something new and I feel something new, I don't know, just me bit happier oh it's fabulous that's a really great piece of advice and uh, i have to say you really have been delightful to speak to thank you for joining us on the key moment thanks for dropping into the key moment podcast you can listen through itunes spotify stitcher and soundcloud or whatever your preferred podcast platform is just search for the key moment and be sure to subscribe to get a brand new episode every week we'll see you soon